welcome to the Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death podcast. I'm your co-host, Josh. And I'm your co-host, the girlfriend, Cindy. Hey everybody, welcome back to your favorite podcast about horror movies where a couple watches them thematically by month and one is scared so bad she dies a little. Uh, my name is Cindy. I'm Josh. And uh, welcome to How Did This Get Made? Whoa, How Did This Get Made? Where did that come from? <laughs> you want to start welcome, for, welcome to Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death. Uh, we are beginning February, which is Black History Month. So we are doing movies written, would you say written by or pr- like produced Starring by? or directed by people of color and by people of color. Maybe okay. So we are starting this month with? Candyman. Okay. What year? Um, 1992. Okay. I was 10. I was 12. I would be 13 uh, that December. I was already 10. Like I turned 10 two months before this movie came out. Oh. So almost two months exactly. So, 1982, the year mm-hmm. was, in was a sixth wacky grade. year. Okay. How how wacky was it? Um, I'll tell you how wacky it was. Yugoslavia broke up, creating Slovenia and Croatia. Right. Uh, the Cold War officially ended. Officially. Mm-hmm. The, uh, <coughs> the Winter Olympics were in Albertville, France. Jeffrey Dahmer was sentenced to Ooh. a couple life sentences. Gosh, it's so crazy that happened in 92. Uh-huh. The Los Angeles riots occurred. Funny. Funny, uh, that. funny that. As we um, uh, sit here in, in the wake watching of, as this happened yet again in America. Yeah. I heard someone say the other day that with Rodney King, which is what, what the impetus for the Los Angeles riots were, right? was that was an instance where... The police were filmed beating an unarmed black person, and then there were consequences. And now we've evolved to the point where the police give us the video of them yeah. beating unarmed minorities. And there's no consequences, really. Well, like, there usually is for the individual cops. Mm, but not, well, not always, anyway. but yeah, it's a whole thing. That's weirdly kind of what this month is going to be about in a little bit, uh, especially when we talk about Candyman. Candyman. Oh, okay. So, um, the world ready. of 1992 is wild. Yeah. Oh, no, it's not over yet. That was the Sinead O'Connor SNL Pope picture tarot. Oh, yeah. That was U.S. forces in Somalia. <sighs> okay. And Black Hawk Down, baby. Yeah. And that was the year that uh, William Jefferson Clinton won the presidency. Mm-hmm. And people were like, oh, the Republican stranglehold on the highest office in the land is broke. And we got... The best Republican president we've ever had. Bill, Bill Clinton. Clinton. People are like, well, yeah. he's not a, he's a Democrat. He was, he balanced the budget and kicked people off welfare and did a bunch of shady shit. I would argue he's very <laughs> Republican. Okay. <laughs> uh, that was the year that we gained John Boyega, Selena Gomez, Cardi B, and Miley Cyrus. That was the year that we unfortunately lost Isaac Asimov, Benny Hill, and Marlena Dietrich. Yeah. Uh, the movies of the year, other than Candyman. Other than Candyman. Were Aladdin, mm-hmm. The Bodyguard, mm-hmm. Wayne's World, Batman Returns, Wayne's World. Sister Act, Bram Stoker's Dracula, Basic Instinct, Alien 3, and the movie that would win Best Picture, Unforgiven. Unforgiven. The Clint Eastwood movie where him and Morgan Freeman go out on sad old man adventures. <laughs> Morgan Freeman gets murdered. 
Okay. Spoiler alert for Unforgiven. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, if you've not seen Unforgiven. Yeah. Also, I can spoil every Clint Eastwood movie because Cindy won't watch them anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Nope. Um, So before we get into talking about Candyman, Cindy, Mm -hmm. I have a question for you. Yes. Be my victim. Okay. What's that? You'll see. Um, Okay. Do you know anything about Candyman? The mirror thing, I'm assuming. I know the mirror thing and saying the name, but that's about it. Okay. Um, You're going to fucking love Candyman. Okay. Uh, Candyman is rated R. Okay. It is, we're back down to reasonable territory. The last month, we watched some things that were like longer than they needed to be. Looking at you, Fallen. It's like almost <laughs> it was, two hours. Didn't like, need to did be. you need to be two hours? I thought you were thinking about like Wreck. That was the perfect, ding, perfect Well, this is longer than Wreck. Yeah. But this movie is one hour and 39 minutes. Ooh, perfect. So there you go. You're looking at about an hour 33 with credits. Mm. Um, it was released October 16th of 1992. Uh, and the tagline for this movie is, we dare you to say his name five times. Nope. Five times. No, thank you. Um, no, thank will you. be a thing. <laughs> nope. I, I'm just going to say this before we start talking about who's in this movie and whatnot. Okay. Uh, there's a... There's not really an argument. There's a general consensus that for most people, and I know there's people that are going to be like, this isn't what I think. I think, like, cool. But most people who love horror films agree that the 90s are, A, not a great decade for horror. There weren't a ton of horror films. Um, But those same people tend to agree that the great, the best horror film of the 90s for people, there's the Scream Camp. Mm-hmm. And then there's the Candyman camp. And you are in Camp Candyman? I would say... <laughs> camp Candyman. Yes. Like uh, I would say, series-wise, Scream is way stronger okay. than Candyman. But just one-to-one, uh, I fucking love the first Candyman. I think it's not only one of the best horror films, if not the best horror film of the 90s, it's like one of the best movies of the 90s. I fucking Whoa. love this Love you some Candyman. Movie. Okay. Um it is written and directed by Bernard Rose, who did Immortal Beloved, the 1997 Anna Karenina movie. Okay. Um, and he also directed the UB40 Red Red Wine Ooh. and the Frankie Red Goes to Hollywood Red Relax Red videos. <laughs> yes, National that's right. Treasure. Relax. Right Don't was directed do it. by the guy who did Candyman. Well, gotta start somewhere. Music videos were a big deal yep. in the 90s. So it's based on a short story called The Forbidden by clive barker ah so okay that's why you are firmly in camp candy man i mean i do I, it's it doesn't have it okay it has some connection to the short it's changed and i think bernard rose did a great job okay but we're about to get to a couple reasons why i love this movie as much as I did it but clive barker in case you don't know who he is is the guy he's an author and a playwright and a filmmaker who's given us like the Hellraiser mm-hmm. series, uh, Lord of Illusions, Nightbreed. Um, Many things we've done on this podcast. I fucking love Clive Barker. First few seasons. Love Clive Barker. Um, okay. The composer okay. is Philip Glass. Okay. Weird Where do we know that name? Philip Glass. Uh, so Philip Glass has done a couple movies. Um, he did Secret Window with Johnny Depp. Okay. The Stephen King movie that's Johnny Depp did. Um, he did Hamburger Hill, which is like a weird war oh, movie. Like a my war dad loves from the yeah. '80s. He did uh, Kunden, the um, the monk 
the Tibetan monk movie that Martin Scorsese did. Okay. <laughs> he did Koyanatskotsky, uh, I think is how you say it. It's a movie that you would absolutely love, and I will stand on a rock in the middle of nowhere oh, wow. and yell at all the animals in the wild and tell them it is the best movie to watch high out of your mind <laughs> because okay. it's just insane like time-lapse footage the entire movie is just time-lapse footage of like buildings and the sun and all these things with like music okay and it's like it's something where you either get like locked into it and you're like oh my god especially if you're high <laughs> or if you're stone cold sober and it's not your jam you're like this is the worst thing i have ever watched <laughs> And this is the same people who put up this to put up Candyman. Uh, no, same composer. Same composer. Okay. Yeah. Um, so there you go. I just wanted to throw out a, a thing for Philip Glass because I can't separate this movie from this score. Like, All right. There are a few movies where I'm like, the score is as much of a character in the movie as the actors are. And to me... This is one of them. Like, Candyman has a very specific sound. Um Musically. So I just wanted to throw up a, a, a nod, All if right. you will, to Philip Glass. Uh, so this movie stars Virginia Madsen as Helen Lyle. Okay. Do you know who Virginia Madsen is? Uh, no. Brother of Michael Madsen? Nope. Mr. But brother Ron of? from uh, Reservoir Dogs? Okay. Did you ever see Sideways? Yes. Yeah, she was like the lead of Sideways. Oh, okay. So um, I know the face. She's in The Prophecy... She was in the Swamp Thing TV show that came out a couple years ago that was really good that no one watched. But no, I didn't know. Uh, she's it. in that movie Pray for the Devil that came out last year that my mom really wanted to watch, but I heard was not great. <laughs> okay. So uh, then we've got Xander Berkeley, who he's a guy that I'm like, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. All right. Like he gets into all these like crazy good movies, but he's always in like bit parts. Okay. <laughs> it's like, oh, buddy, like. Never the leading man. You're so good as an actor. Why don't people use you more? Um, he plays Trevor Lyle, Helen's husband. Um, he's in Sid and Nancy. He's in Walker. He's in Terminator 2 Judgment Day. He's in Heat. He's in Air Force One. He's in Shanghai Noon. As not major characters. And it drives me crazy because he's such a good actor. He's just not the guy. If by chance it. you hear me, Xander Berkeley, I love you. <laughs> you are I supported think you're here. A national treasure. Um, and then. We can't talk Candyman without talking about Tony Todd. That's the guy who plays Candyman, I take it? Yep. Okay. Tony I, Todd. I wrote in my notes, Tony Todd dash Candyman. Okay. Or Tell me about Tony Todd. Daniel Robitaille. See, as we related to Mike later. Todd. Who, who's Mike Todd? Uh, <laughs> Elizabeth Taylor's husband, one who was killed in an airplane crash. I'm going to guess whatever. No. Go ahead. Um, was Mike Todd a fantastically tall black gentleman no okay yes, i don't well, think then, so that'd be that would add a really fun layer to the elizabeth state taylor then story. let me uh break down tony todd for you all right continue <laughs> tony todd was in the rock um the last james bond movie that sean connery did <laughs> yes uh he's we referred in, to that many times he's in the crow okay he's i in know the crow very hatchet well. one and two which uh those movies are all the fun he's a bigger part in hatchet too Okay. Um, Tony Todd's just a very sweet man who the first time I met him, um, he made a child cry. Oh. 
because uh, it was at a con- what a sweet guy. It, no, it was okay. So I was at a horror hound in March years ago. I'm talking like probably 2012. Okay. And we were walking towards the room that the celebrities used to be in, and they were taking him for his panel, I think, or so. They were taking him somewhere, and it was March. Okay. So what is the one thing that America is known for in March? Uh, rain. Gross. Madness. Basketball. There you go. What? <laughs> Basketball. Okay. So this very large man with a very... Guys, I tell you, I'm Canadian more and more every day. Like a voice to match. Steps out of the room and says, because he's, ta- he's in the middle of a conversation as they walk out of the room, and he goes, March Madness, like excitedly and kind of loud. Mm-hmm. And it made a girl cry. And he, like, stopped and was like, oh, no, it's fine. And, like, talked to her and, like, got her to stop crying. (laughs) Sorry, I scared the shit out of you, sweetheart. I looked at my friend Jason. and I was like, yo, Candyman just made that girl, like, lose her mind. And then, like, talked her out of, like, freaking out. Because he's, like, a very sweet man when you talk to him. He's just very intimidating as far as size and stature, I suppose. He's very tall. And Candy, like, if you know of Candyman, like, if you watch this movie and you're younger... I could definitely see a thing where you're like, oh, this is goddamn terrifying. Right. Like, if your only conception is like, I walked in a room once and saw you as Candyman. Like, yeah, that would be scary as fuck. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I love you, Tony Todd. Okay. Uh, and then there's Casey Lemons, who plays Bernadette Walsh. She will be super duperty important when we do next week's movie. Okay. Is that- um, she's mind. an actress in this and in Silence of the Lambs. She directed the 2019 Harriet movie. The Harriet oh, Tubman yes. Movie. Okay. She also directed a movie called Eve's Bayou. Oh, yeah. That's Wink. a great movie, too. Wink. Oh, are we going to? Okay. Uh, <laughs> and then there's Vanessa Williams. Oh. So Former Miss America. Different Vanessa Williams. Okay. Never mind. Uh, we, playing Anne-Marie I thought Marie SAG McCoy. doesn't allow such things to happen, but go ahead. Um, she was in New Jack City. She's in the 2021 Candyman, That's not the... remake sequel thing. Okay, that whole jam. Um, not remake sequel. Got it's it. yeah. There's so there's three Candyman movies before they did. It's like a soft reboot because it definitely the first movie still exists. Like all the movies still technically exist. They don't erase anything, but they're just like let's just kind of steer this back to like a thing that people will recognize. Okay, in a minute. So. All right. It's that legacy sequel shit that we're into right now, where it's like, what if we brought some of the original actors back 20 years, 30 years after we made the original? And then we're like, it's just called Candyman. All right. So uh, I will also say, keep an eye out uh, in the beginning of this movie for Ted Raimi. Oh, okay. We know the Raimi. Goofy ass Ted Raimi, who will forever be my favorite for being the weird punk rock dude that gets killed by... The baddie in Twin Peaks and then put in that giant chess piece and then delivered it to Dale Cooper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Random pull. Well, are we going to do the part of the podcast where you show me an original poster from this film? Because I kind of already know. All right. It is an eye with a bumblebee and the pupil is uh, a guy with like a hook for a hand. We dare you to say it. No, I'm not, not going to say it. So I'm going to say this movie is about um, like the urban legend. But, you know, there's that idea that if you, everybody believes in something, it kind of comes true. So I'm going to say this is like an urban legend that everybody talks about. And so eventually it just kind of becomes true. becomes like a, a thing. Okay. 
My guess is I will spend the next couple days between watching this movie and recording the back half mm-hmm. trying to convince you to say his name five times in a mirror. Alrighty. <laughs> well, until that, where can we watch this film? Um, it's everywhere. Everywhere. I All own your Apple and Amazon and Roku uh, streaming services. I own a Shout Factory Blu-ray collector's edition that we're looking at right here. I also have a 4K... Um, Arrow video release that came out a couple years ago. That's like a super special edition. I love the shit out of this movie. Um, (laughs) All right. I've been, as a precursor to watching this with you, because I've watched Candyman like last year, but it had been a minute since I watched um, Candyman 2 Farewell to the Flesh and Mm -hmm. Candyman 3 Day of the Dead. So I've been rewatching the Candyman sequels Uh, to to prepare prepare for for this this episode. So doing the hard research, guys. Well, join us, won't you? Mind the doors. Have you ever heard of Candyman? If you look in the mirror, you say his name five times. In cities everywhere. Candyman? They whisper his name. Right. Candyman. It's just a story. Candyman? Candyman. Just a ghost story. Candyman. An entire community starts attributing the daily horrors of their lives to a mythical figure. The legend first appeared in 1890. He was attacked, mutilated, and burned to death. Poor Candyman. Helen, a woman died in there. Leave it. Everyone knows he isn't real. That's modern oral folklore. Everyone. Except Helen Lyle. Where did I... It ain't safe around here. I don't scare too easy. Wanna know about Ruthie Jean? They ain't never gonna catch him. Who? Candyman. Who is that? I came for you. Do I know you? Now she is about to discover. Helen? What's behind the mystery? I'm sick. What's behind the legend? Listen, he's under the bed! And most terrifying of all... Come with me. What's behind the mirror? He's here. Candyman, you don't have to believe. Just beware. Candyman, 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 Candyman. We watched Candyman. That's five. Don't do that. You want him running around in here? You'll bring. Don't. Mm. Mm. <laughs> what if? Is it? Does it have to be in order? Like, what if we're just having a con- like this conversation now? Okay. It does not have to be in order. Okay. I, mean, I have proof for this because. I can't believe we're going to start by talking about the last scene in the movie. <laughs> we don't have to start but this Xander way. Xander Berkeley in the very last scene of the movie. Okay. Remember, he's like, oh, Helen. Oh, that's right. Helen. And then he and just then he says pauses it again. For a minute, he's like, Helen, Helen, Helen. And then she's like, boom. What's up, Trevor? <sighs> she's like, what's up, Trevor? I just made her into Freddy for a second. Um, and then she... <laughs> Well, anyway, welcome back from watching Candyman, the uh, 90s classic that I somehow missed because I live under a rock. Uh, You missed it because you 
don't watch horror movies. That too. Except when you're with me. This was a you're good welcome, old... Welcome, America. <laughs> this was a good old-fashioned scary movie. This is what I thought, um, like, The Exorcist would be. You know, like, just these weird and scary and, oh, like, it, it definitely had a lot of tension and a lot of jump scares and it was just kind of a gory it was just scary it was just a scary yes. movie um and yeah, i guess that's how i thought I like all the movie. classics were <laughs> you thought the exorcist was going to be Candyman? no well no but i thought i would bring i thought it would evoke such fear that's my good my good boy that's what i meant well i thought it would evoke the same emotion i've said it before and i'll say it again mm. if i can go off track for 30 seconds mm. i don't think the exorcist is scary to people that are not religious fair like people i know that are very religious find it to be the scariest movie because it's like their worst fear realized it's like oh the devil's here and it's in that child like hmm. for me i see a movie like that or texas chainsaw and i'm like oh one of these things is possible (laughs) like clearly i'm more afraid of the thing that's like a man who's wearing another man's face as a mask and eating people because that shit happens (laughs) indeed it does that happens and i know people can be like oh do money possessions happen too okay calm down like agree to disagree no one's arguing but whatever we're here we're at Candyman. We are. We're at what, what we've discussed previously as being what is generally considered to be one of the two best horror films in the 90s. It was. Because the 90s, not a lot of great horror movies. There are some good ones, but by and large, it's we've a got Scream. decade for horror. Um, um, a lot of sequels to like Freddy and Jason. Yeah. I can't remember. Was it also in the 90s? Is um, the best Scream movie? I'm about to piss someone off. What's that? So Scream 2 is the best Scream movie. I haven't seen either of them. Scream, so whatever. Scream 2 is arguably the greatest, like, sequel, like, direct sequel to, a, a like, a slasher film ever. Okay. Like, to a number one. The greatest number two ever for a slasher film is Scream 2. Scream 2 is, I think it's better than the first Scream. All um, right. Hot take. And it's got... Never seen either. Roseanne Barr's sister, Jackie. Oh, yeah, we do love Jackie. So, there you go. Anyway, All right, Candyman. Candy I'm in such a good mood. I'm glad. I, you wanna, You're bringing in energy and an you enthusiasm. You know my What's that? I changed something today. Was it a positive mental attitude? It helped. Um, I upped my serotonin levels today. You actually slept? No, I mean, no, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Okay. Um, I started cold showering today. Ooh, And uh, cold showering, like, ups your circulation, and it causes your brain to, like, release more serotonin um, as a response. So you were just feeling good. Like, I I felt... Feeling good. I didn't sleep much last night because I don't sleep. It's It's true, it doesn't. Um, But I felt really good today for the most part. Awesome. The cold shower regime will continue, and uh, hopefully I feel not terrible moving forward. Cool. There you go. <laughs> you know who feels awful? Candyman. Candyman and everyone in it. Yeah, he feels awful. His fucking hand got sawed off by a rusty blade. And he got covered in, like, jelly. Honey. Royal honey or whatever it is. Royal no, jelly? I, no. I, what is it called? The ro- Just honey. No, no, no. But, like, honey. The, from the center of the nest. The hive. Oh, royal honey. There you go. Like, yeah. Really royal jelly, whatever. right? Is it royal jelly or royal honey? Yeah, probably. And uh, bees stung him to death. And it wouldn't, anyway. That, uh, mm, okay. 
Anyway, let's do a quick one-sentence synopsis. That's not how bees work. Uh, oh, go sorry. ahead and give your one sentence so I can give my fucking book. It's true. He has a movie. lot to say. Uh, in this movie, two graduate students, white, two white, no, because one's not white, but two graduate students uh, explore urban legends and come upon the urban legend of Candyman, a slave who dared to impregnate a white woman and as such had his hand cut off and uh, covered in honey so that he could be eaten by bees and just stung to death um haunts this inner city uh housing development and chaos ensues cabrini green and chaos ensues and by chaos you mean the kidnapping of a baby there's a kidnapping of a baby the beheading of a dog there's a beheading of a dog there's a pepto-bismol pink room there's a burn pile there i'll tell you what there's fire and bees and it's not wicker man Bees. Okay. Bees what everywhere. does IMDb say this movie um, is about? IMDb has the Candyman, a murderous soul with a hook for a hand, is accidentally summoned to reality by a skeptic grad student researching urban legends. The monster's myth. Um, okay. So a few things as you say up front. Number one, that's not how bees work. <laughs> bees don't sting you for your for honey. That's that's not how that works. You could get mauled to death by bear. Um, it would actually make more sense if, like, put honey on him and then, like, was around fucking fire ants. Because that definitely would fucking happen. And that would be painful as fuck. Uh, I also, the amount of hubris that these women have is insane. I don't think it's insane. It. It's mind-boggling to me. And there is so much smoking that I have not had a cigarette in years. And by the time this movie was over, I was like, ah, oh, I want a cigarette. These graduate students just waltz into the inner city and act like they know the place. Um, I also... I, mm. <sighs> okay. I also didn't quite understand why they were working together. I didn't understand what degree that they would be going for that they, this could be their master's thesis i had questions i agree with you however mm. i think there's definitely problematic elements to this movie and i, I think would, they were there on purpose i would argue n none of them that you mentioned are the things that i found problematic about this movie oh, okay um i don't care that they're working together um <laughs> it's whatever uh i 100 percent believe that they would just go there and be like oh, oh. yes like we i mean i think maybe in 1992 that was like a thing where it's like oh that's ballsy as fuck but like we live in an era now where we routinely see white women seeing like like black kids or like anyone of color like walking a dog and they're like they call, call the, the cops, cops on them like you know it, it is what it is like that's yeah i guess unbelievable thing. is not the right word it's very believable but it was just the amount was insane. Oh, you're just like, oh, this bitch. Yeah. Like, no you fucks. deserve. And, and. Like, walking so, in and taking pictures of everything? Just like, click, 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 click. Like, there's some sort of human zoo. That was insane. Uh, let's talk about the fact that she, at one point, um, a local drug dealer uses the name Candyman. And so, uh, one of the aforementioned graduate students is kind of trying to bribe this little black kid 
<clears throat> to tell her where Candyman is. And he thinks that she's talking about the drug dealer. So he takes her to this, you know, kind of abandoned public bathroom where Candyman is. And she gets her face fucked up. But she doesn't get raped. She doesn't get murdered. She, I mean. Okay. I'm going to disagree with you slightly. Mm, okay. The boy thought Candyman, like actual Candyman was there. Like okay. because the drug dealer was using the Candyman persona to scare the shit out of everyone. Right. Okay. I got it. Like, and that's why the whole, I guess we can talk about this now, the whole impetus for why Candyman enters the movie. Cause it's like 45 so, minutes into the movie. Before I, he shows well, up. and I, I said in the beginning and I was kind of right that there's this kind of universal idea that you're only a God. If people believe in you, you're mm-hmm. only real. If people believe it's, in it's you, it's the Neil Gaiman American gods. thing, Right. Which and this so, predates. I mean, it's technically Terry Bratchett's and Neil Gaiman learned it from him, but it's a totally different story. Anyway. Um, well, also, it could, it's also a Clive Barker thing. Like, I think it's worth noting that Candyman's like so ubiquitous in society. Like, everyone knows what, what Candyman yeah, is. Yeah, when Maybe they start movie, asking around, everyone. But everyone, like, it's like Bloody Mary. Where did you first hear it? Where did Candyman, you first hear it? No, no, I'm talking like in our world. Like, oh, yeah. Every, People think it's like a real thing. They're like, oh, they made movies about this real myth. The myth did not exist before Clive Barker's story. Like, yeah. Clive Barker invented Candyman, who was a white gentleman with, like, yellowish skin who lived in England, in, like, Birmingham, England or whatever. And okay. they, the filmmaker specifically transposed this from England. And he's British. Mm-hmm. Like, Bernard Rose is British. And he was like, I want to make this movie in America. And here's the lesson that and people need to know. He, he chose Chicago. He chose the housing project. So um, I think that's worth noting from the start. But so this movie, like exactly what you were saying, it's two grad students are like involved in a class. I guess. Whatever. Sandra Berkeley teaches a class about like, you know, myths and like people's ability to internalize them and they think they're true like mm-hmm. the alligators in the sewer which the movie alligators about and that movie fucking rules um and then it's the whole thing where like they decide they're gonna do Candyman, and then they overhear a lady talking about Candyman, and she's like my friend saw him or like someone in her building got murdered by him murdered and that's what brings him. them to cabrini green right and they you're right i could not have said it better they she they show up and they show them driving there and the one is acting like they're going to a war zone. Right. And she's like, why are you being so freaked out? It's like six blocks. And she's like, well, you don't know where we're going. Yeah. You don't, you don't and, understand this place. Honky. Sorry. <laughs> and then they go and you're right. Like the Bernadette character is like moderately more respectful mm-hmm. and is like, Hey, um, maybe don't do these things. Bernadette is a very light-skinned black woman. And Helen Lyle, who's Virginia Madsen, is just straight up, like, taking pictures. And you're correct. Like, she does treat it like, I'm at the zoo. Mm-hmm. Like, this is crazy. Like... Oh, my gosh. Like, people... Line like, up right there. Let me get a picture. They think she's a It's cop. embarrassing. It's like a whole thing. Uh, and then they meet the... the Well, they go and they find, like, the Candyman Shrine. And so that really cool wall that's oh yeah a lot of graffiti and, and also that's where you meet the mom of the baby and she's got the dog and whatnot but essentially what happens is you're right she meets Candyman, the drug dealer mm-hmm. who's using candy man persona to scare people which empowers the actual candy man 
And then she tells the boy. Don't believe it's She's no. like, there is no Candyman. And so the real Candyman comes to show her, I am real. Yeah, like. Stop you, telling people not to believe in me. You've like shaken the foundation of people's belief in me. So now you have to be my victim to make up for that. And if you choose not to be, like you have to choose to be my victim. And if you choose not to be my victim, then I'm going to kill everyone around you. And also make you seem crazy and take mm-hmm. everything from you until you have got nothing left and you have no choice but to come to me. So this, um, the whole movie is about like two halves, like or two sides of the same coin. Um, so Cabrini Green, the housing projects that we're describing, it's set up. She lives in a building that was built just like Cabrini Green, same layout, same everything. But once they got it situated, they discovered it had this great view. And so they added some drywall and a touch of paint here and a doorman. And it became, you know, like this five-star condos. Yeah, I don't even think they, I don't even think they added drywall. <laughs> I, well, the, I think she has a line. You know, it's something similar to that. So <clears throat> she just kind of walks around like she owns the place when she gets into what we would call the projects, the housing development, the uh, federal public housing. And... Uh, we discover that everything is so cheaply made that the two medicine cabinets of two apartments are just butted up against each other. There's no wall right there. And that's how the um, girl at Cabrini Green is killed. That candy man goes in through her medicine cabinet. Yep. And that that's realistic. That is something. When I was in college, we had a big, like, built-in dresser drawers that had a mirror on it and there was no wall between like you could just push on the mirror and the other side would like boop boop How very conjuring oh well yeah well actually prince of darkness so no i mean that is true like that's a real thing that happened i think in chicago or maybe it was in new york where people were getting into a because they would just go to an empty apartment and then, and then go just through the others. Go through the medicine cabinet because you could do that. Yeah, animal and, houses and robbing and, and killing people. It's like a thing. Um, so yes, like he basically kills Bernadette. He kills, like Helen wakes up and the dog has been beheaded and she's covered in blood with like a butcher's knife and the baby's disappeared. So Candyman is basically setting up, or said killing people and setting it up like she's the one who did it. So that she'll finally believe in Candyman. Yes, to use a turn of phrase for the young, gaslighting her. Correct. Right, making her think she's crazy. So Because no one else can see him but her. Mm-hmm. So when he shows, like, when she's finally committed and put in, like, an insane asylum because she's a danger. Because yeah. she's killed um, her best friend. At that um, point, she's just killed missing. a dog. The baby's disappeared. And she kills Bernadette. She doesn't right. kill Bernadette, but Candyman does. But... They think right, she killed they think she did. Um, and then in the insane asylum, he shows up and she freaks out. And then they show her, like the doctor shows her the video. Yeah. And there's no one there. And it's she's just like, her screaming. I'm crazy. And she tries to call Candyman. And yeah. the doctor's like, oh, so. This is your friend. You've been here for months. And she's like, months. And he's like, yes. Yeah. You've been here for months on drugs. Um, she was in a coma for a month, like in a medically induced, and then they've just been kind of drugging when her up. Candyman has the best kill of the movie where he kills the fucking doctor. Yep. And then does that dope ass exit out the window where he like folds his arms together and just flies backwards out the window. That is the single coolest image of this movie. I don't give a fuck what anyone says. <laughs> Every time I see that, I'm like, ooh, that cool. was cool as shit. Um, and then like that facilitates her escape. 
because he's like holding on to this baby. Weird plot hole. How did he have a baby? Yeah. For like months. Yep. So it's whatever. I mean, there's. Um, and she goes home, and like mm. Xander Berkeley has her husband, who loves her in quotes, has moved like a young grad student in. She's painting the walls that Pepto Bismol yeah. color that you have mentioned. Um, she's like, I have nothing left. I have to go to Candyman and at least save that baby. And, and then, then suddenly it's revealed that Candyman sees um, the woman that he lost his life for. I don't know if it was well, yeah. whatever in her. This is, and now he has decided that he wants to mm-hmm. live forever with her through the stories with her. This is where the movie gets problematic. But we'll circle back to this in a minute. So I want to finish the description. Okay, and then we'll. I made a list. We're going to talk uh, talk by points. Um, okay. That way, yeah. It's, it's the whole thing. I enjoy this movie. But there are definitely there plot are holes. elements of this movie that I think are problematic. There are a lot of plot holes. Yeah. That, but it's easy to kind of gloss them over because it looks so. This movie looks and sounds so incredible. Yeah. You kind of just go, okay. And well, and they're making a point, and you, you're like, oh, I get why they did that. Um, I get that. Yeah. So she gives herself to Candyman and. He exposes that he is basically a rib cage filled with bees, bees, and he spits bees into her mouth when he kisses her. Gross. And she blacks out and wakes up. He's gone. The baby's gone. And she's like, she puts two and two together and is like, the baby's in that giant burn pile. Because for some reason, there is a burn pile in front of Cabrini Green. They're going to have a little neighborhood bonfire. It's not a thing, but okay. I don't know. We don't live in Chicago. Maybe it is. I don't think um, it is, guys. I mean, if it was at WVU, it would just be couches. Fair. So she climbs into it, but she's got a hook so she can move things. And the kid sees that hook and thinks it's Candyman. So he like is like, let's start the fire now. They come out and set that giant thing of like burnable shit on fire. And she saves the baby and the process of getting burned up and dying after refusing to join Candyman. Mm-hmm. And then the movie has that, that second ending. Where Remember when movies she, just, it does become Candyman. Like, like Return of the King style. It's like because she keeps adding endings. She has where he says her. No, no, no. There's two There's two endings. Okay. This, two additional endings. Because I forgot. They bury her. And it's just like three people. Oh, right. And then, and then the whole. All the people from the project. Yeah, because come. they're like, she saved the baby. Like everyone comes and they throw the Candyman hook in. Because they're like, Candyman's dead. Spoiler alert. He is not. There are two direct sequels to this and kind of a sequel remake. Kind of. Um, okay. Kind of. Yeah. And then the second ending is Trevor. I hate that fucking name. I do too. I knew one kid in college named Trevor and he was a doucher. doucher. Um, yeah, every, yeah. Sorry if there's a cool Trevor out there. I apologize mm, to, to that whoever. Guy. Um, that one guy. So he's like crying because he's like, oh, I, I did miss my, my wife. wife dirty. Like I actually love her. And he says her name five times and looks in the mirror and she shows up and she's all burned up and, and she, she kills him. And then the movie ends. Um, so boom, there you go. That's and boom goes essentially what this movie is about at face value. Now, whew, let's go down. It's about a lot more than normally. That. I, the, the movie's. There's a lot to talk about, but like it's enough that I can keep sorted in my head. This was I was actually like I need to make notes, okay, so that way I can be succinct in what I want to say. Um, okay, this movie is about a couple things. All so right. the first one is like race and racial politics. Let's just get that out of the way now. Um, I am a white person. You are, as is Cindy. I am. So this is what I've gathered from my own observation. 
and what I've gathered from watching documentaries and reading articles about this movie and gathering all the information I could so I could talk about this as best I could from perspectives that are not mine. Okay. So take... Thank you for doing the work. Okay. So we've said this before. I'm going to go ahead and say it again. Um, This movie is essentially a giant version of the whole trauma phrase, hurt people, hurt people. Mm -hmm. Right? He is Daniel Robitaille. His whole backstory is... He is a... He was an enslaved person. He wasn't ensl- He wasn't a slave. He... His father was rich, remember? He built like a machine. Oh, that's right. And he was like a painter. And he fell in love and with... And he yeah. got hired to paint this girl, and he fell in love with her and got her pregnant, and she was white. So the dad hired these people to... Torture, saw his hand and off kill him. And then cover him with honey, and you know, what we mentioned earlier, and he dies, and it's a whole thing. So he's essentially the living personification of racism. Yep. Right? And racial violence. And I would agree with that 100%. I don't think it was an accident that this movie was transplanted to Chicago, which is the heart of what the, the media loves to call black-on-black crime, which is such a stupid fucking term because... I live in a state on white where crime? white people shoot white people all the time, and all no one has ever time. called that shit white on white crime. But I'm, I just use the term that I hate, so you would quickly understand what I'm talking about. So there's that, right? Like, mm-hmm. he's not necessarily making congregations out of white people and terrifying white people. I mean, he does kill Ted Raimi at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I forgot no, about that. No, he doesn't that. kill Ted Raimi. He kills that girl. Yeah. And t- makes Ted Raimi, Raimi's hair go white, which we don't see, which I'm sad. That would have been nice I would to like, see. I would love to see Ted Raimi with, like, white-ass hair. hair. Um, he's still got, like... He's still got, he, yeah. he's still got, like, a good head of hair. He's still got the day. coloring, yeah. Ted Raimi, holding it together. Um, so, yeah, that's a thing. Like, he's hurting communities of color, predominantly. He's mm-hmm. scaring and living off of communities of color because he's racism. And these white people... Right? Yep. Like, that's what he represents. So, of course he's attracted to a white lady who is the personification of privilege. Yes. So it's it's literally the personification of racism meeting the personification of privilege. Yeah. And then one is like, I have to have you because we go hand in hand. And the other one's like, no, but no, we don't. But we, we don't. don't. No, no, no. Right? They do. But you, but you do. <laughs> But you do. And, but see, so that's interesting to me. Mm-hmm. But it also feeds into a problematic element that we'll talk about in a minute. What's that? Oh, okay. Um, now, there's also this movie, if it's about race, it's almost as equally about class and gentrification. All right. Like you hit the nail on the head when you said two sides of the same coin where you've got Cabrini Green, which is... The essentially only... a slum yeah and, and the... then a mat like an exact matching building that is like a but it just because as of you expensive high-rise because it's six blocks south yeah there's a it's safe it's like nice it's people yeah. pay an exorbitant amount of money to live in the same building that's six blocks away people get put into for free or for low-income families because it's terrible <laughs> it reminds me of, there's this terry pratchett quote that's it um bastardizing it horribly but it's this thing where um they never the the quote is like i never understood why owning a falling down slum like slum 
full of, you know, worn out people and broken pipes was okay. But living there wasn't. Like, why is it okay to own these slummy, horrible, you know, tenant houses, but it's not okay to live there? Well, for landlords, it's money. And for the government... It's money. It provides... No, it's not money. It's out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. Right? Like, which... Don't have to worry about this. It's the same reason why when the interstate system was built, they specifically ran that fucker through the parts of town that weren't white. Yeah. Like, were Hispanic or black or indigenous. Like, so they were just like, let's just that was displace the non-white people because we can't dare, you know. And, and, and here's the thing. I know we're in Appalachia. I know there's going to be people that listen to this and they're going to be like, uh, it happens here too. Like... It's this weird thing where, like... Look at Central Park. Yes. There's definitely privilege in being white. I'm not going to say that's not true. However, Mm -hmm. Appalachia is this place that is, like... It's the one place that's still okay for everyone to universally shit on. Right? Like, I just want to make... People always make jokes about that. Right? Like, I'm glad we're at a point where, like, it's not acceptable... To have a, like, terribly racist character um, in a show or a movie. And they're the hero. Like, they did away with that shit. Right? right. Like, it used to be, like, the lead of your shit could be racist and terrible. And people were like, oh, yeah. But, like, boy, oh, boy. Making you sure could still being... shit all over Appalachians. You could still shit all over hillbillies. <laughs> you could sh- I mean, and, yeah. You're right. So, just a little aside. It's frustrating. Um, but, yeah, I think... She's the personification of privilege and she's a personification of wealth because she wears fucking gloves everywhere. Everywhere. Like she's, she's an a academic. different jacket in every scene. She's poor. She's an academic. She's in school, but she has like more wardrobe changes than anyone else. Like yep. the poor mom who gets her baby stolen. She has one outfit. Mm-hmm. Actually two. Like a she's got housekeeping type. I've got my situation working clothes that I work in mm-hmm. and I've got what I wear to the funeral. Yeah. And that is it. Meanwhile, Helen's like, costume change, costume change, Every costume change. Every a new jacket. Right? Like, constantly. Constantly. Um, and she's like the personification of privilege because you guys pointed it out. She gets arrested. She gets put in jail. And she's smoking a cigarette. Yeah. There's so someone was like, here's a cigarette. Poor, th- poor like, little lady. Oh, it's a tiny little white lady. Give poor her a cigarette. Um, yeah, so this movie has a lot to do with class and a lot to do about gentrification. Like, housing projects. Yeah. Are terrible. Um, they don't have to These be. people come in, and I think, I don't think she walks in and storms around and does whatever she wants because she thinks she's white and she get away with it. I think she thinks it's because I'm like a, I'm, I'm one of the good ones. Yeah. And I'm here to like help. And they'll which is like Which is like a well-meaning liberal mindset. You know, oh, I'm just here to help. Um, and then it does turn into like, looking at people like they're zoo animals. Um, but it a big part is she's got money. Yep. And she's white, which is why the cops give a shit when she mm-hmm. gets fucked up. Yeah, they found that guy real fast. Right? Real like, fast. Next scene. It's just like they immediately cut to, what's the line? We got him. Who are you looking for Candyman, bitch? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. That's Candyman, y'all. This um, movie... Oh, go ahead. We watched say, it with the uh, older generation that lives in the house. And I think they enjoyed it 
for like I said, the scares. It, it's a good old fashioned horror movie. Uh, I don't know if they saw and and kind of got the messages that we did. I felt like it was very heavy handed with the symbolism. I, yeah. It was like, oh, it's hit me over the head with it. Um, but I stopped even thinking that way at the end when uh, they were like, uh, it was just a good movie. Like, I oh, you didn't pick okay, up on that. Here's huh. the thing. Here's okay. before we dive into the problematic parts of this movie, because there are some, and I do want to talk about them. I want to acknowledge them. I want to say that Candyman to me feels like a warm summer day. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the show. Okay. Which is when it came out, it was like something that was considered to be good and it was on the right side of things. And it, I mean, when I say right, I mean like right politically, like Mm -hmm. the correct side of things. Um, It was like good natured liberalism and people were like oh this is good like um and then as time has passed people were like oh that's parts of this haven't aged well um and are a little problematic and, and some people thought that parts of this movie were problematic when it came out uh so there are again like doing a lot of research and reading and one thing I, i'm gonna go ahead and talk about this now is there's a documentary about the history of horror and black people mm-hmm. and it's called horror noir and we're going to, every movie that we're going to watch this month is a movie that they highlight in that movie. And okay. then we're going to watch a documentary series. when we get to the end of the month. Because we've already watched, like, Get Out. We've already watched, like, Night of the Living Dead. These are the things they discuss. So we're going to watch gotcha. some of the other ones that we haven't had a chance to cover Okay. Yet. Oh, cool. Uh, I just, I'm actually very, know, all right. I think that would be an interesting way to do this. But, yes, this movie is about race, racial politics, class, gentrification. However. However. Um... <laughs> This movie does have, like we said, some problematic elements. So there's two sides of the Candyman coin, especially when this movie came out. There are people that were like, progress is we are allowed as non-white people to be the monster, right? Right. Like, historically, think about it. Freddy, white. Jason, white. Michael, white. Dracula white except for blackula <laughs> like uh the mummy all these characters are like played by white people except for boris karloff that motherfucker was middle eastern and i love it's it true um a british gentleman slash middle eastern gentleman um so yeah there were like people that were like this is like yes it's nice to be able to be the bad guy like it, you were not just like the the wacky person Magic that hangs out guy. and then gets killed like the first person to go out of the movie like it's a whole thing like yay look people embrace Candyman because they're like he's a monster but he's our monster um and that is odd and problematic to a point because yes i agree with you in a perfect world like gay people can be the heroes and the victims and the monsters yeah and, there's good and, and bads of all kinds yes but here's the problem mm-hmm. with with that at the time so when there's so little representation in certain things, people latch onto that and then use it as identity formation. And okay. then it, yeah. even they take the bad with the good, right? It's like knowing people who are gay, there was so little representation that they would take things from like people like my age or age, mm-hmm. they would take things from like, wherever they could, like the crying game or my so-called life. Right. That weren't great representations, but they were a representation. That's all they had, yeah. And they 
absorbed it. And it was problematic. So, yes, like, it is awesome that Tony Todd got to play this part. I'm not saying he should have played it. I'm not saying Cayman should have been white. I'm just saying, like, when you have so little, you have to be very careful about how you present the little bit you have. And they shouldn't, I mean, no one should have no representation. Like, it's frustrating to me now we live in an era where they're starting to be more and people are getting frustrated because they're like, oh, there's no, like, white people shit. I'm like, there's tons of white people shit. Yeah, there is. <laughs> like, because there's an Asian person who's funny on SNL doesn't mean that there aren't any white people on it. <laughs> like, calm the fuck down. So that's a whole thing. And then the other side of the coin was there were people in 1992 that were like, I don't like the fact that this is a, like, a person of color, like a black person, who's a monster who's hurting other black people at the expense of white people and then at the end like and white, i get the, the white lady saves the day yeah so that's yeah we're going to talk about that in a second so the, the two so i would say there's that that's a problematic element and i think depending on how you go into this movie it either works or it doesn't work like to me it works but again i'm not black so i i mean i would never argue if someone said like this didn't work for me or i thought this was terrible but I think you could see that out of the way. I think the two two problematic elements of this movie that you cannot defend is there are two giant tropes in the last half hour of this movie, which is the black guy lusting after the white woman. Mm -hmm. Like suddenly he's like, oh, Helen, we're meant to be together. You and I forever. Like, I felt like that was really shoehorned in. Problematic. (laughs) <laughs> and then yes like it this movie is literally like a white woman saves a black baby and then dies <laughs> yeah like that's a whole thing like there is the black there the, the white savior thing in this movie um which is problematic right i agree so yes like i do enjoy this movie but i i try to watch movies in the context they were made Okay, like, and in 1992. I think this movie was po- politically ahead of its time in 1992. However, thankfully, it is f- behind the curve in 2023. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. In a lot of respects. It. You know, I will take that as a win. Like, when you see something that is like people thought was progressive 20, 30 years ago, and now you're like, holy shit, that means we've we're moving forward that's a good thing and it's nice because i think we get so caught up in like nothing ever changes um and i'm not saying like things are fixed clearly things are fixed we're a couple weeks out from this whole fucking awful memphis thing and it just it it's a whole thing and that's what the the most recent Candyman movie we'll talk about so i will save that for if and when we get there spoiler we're gonna get there um to the <laughs> Katie Mann's pseudo remake but oh, okay uh, yeah these are things I just wanted to talk about like this movie I enjoy it but yeah you should go into it if you've never seen it again I think it's weird that you would listen to this podcast the back half of this podcast without without having ever watched <laughs> totally the movie agree. you just I guess yeah, like hearing us talk weird. like oh Cindy like me and her adorable little cute points and Josh and his fucking socialism nonsense um yeah Candyman, y'all it's good it's good. It's good. It's good. Um, I think your mom and your aunt enjoyed it because mm-hmm. they were just like, oh, this is like a little so, yeah, like they legend said, yeah. of what have you. Yeah. They, they just enjoyed, you yeah. know, it was a fun, scary movie. Do you think your children? No, they won't. They wouldn't like it. would watch this. It would become kind of campy to them, I think. 
like the older one would have a better shot clearly maybe at understanding like if we kind of go into it and just be like look for the symbolism like don't look for like the story look for what you know what's the bigger story they're trying to tell i think if we went into it like that I he would appreciate it, maybe. but I, I don't think this is a movie I think for, for this him, generation at all. I think for me, this movie works better when you're paying attention to the story and you're keeping your the politics in the background. Because when you hyper focus, like we just talked about on the politics, you're like, mm, <laughs> maybe maybe not so much now, but you know, that's what I mean. Like I don't think this is a, a movie can, for this generation. Can I ask what your favorite part of this movie was? Like what? What did you do the most? Like a scene or something you liked the most about this movie? Um, uh, the graffiti when she's crawling out of the medicine cabinet into the abandoned um, room. That was pretty creepy and terrifying. And you're still not really sure if Candyman is just this person who is saying that that's his name or if it is this ghoul and, or, you know, and it, it was very creepy. It gave a, it really laid the groundwork for what was coming up that immediately popped into my head. Yeah. Um, I would say for me, it's either the score cause goddamn that score is so good. <laughs> like I, in my head, when I think of Candyman. I think about the music before I think about the images. Okay. Like that Candyman theme. Mm-hmm. Do, 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 do. It's like a little like, it's al- it almost feels like uh, like when you open like a music box or something. Okay. It has that little yeah, song that'll tinny. play. It's like something like that is okay. what it strikes me as. Uh, and then also, if we're going to talk favorite kills, I think it's bar none, the doctor who gets mutilated and then Tony Todd flies out the window because that is that the is your, that is your favorite scene, scene. Of the movie. So, are we watching Candyman two next week? You mean Farewell to the Flesh? <laughs> is that what it is? Candyman Farewell uh, to no, the Flesh. No, we're not watching Farewell to the Flesh. All right, um, we are going to watch Eve's Bayou. Eve's Bayou. Oh, I've I have not seen this movie. What do I know of this movie? Never mind. So we'll talk about it next week. Ber- the Bernadette character mm-hmm. directed it. Oh, cool. She wrote it and directed it. So Female it, and yeah, person of color. It's one of those movies that's like right on the line. Some people are like, it's horror. Some people, it's like, it's not horror. But it's something that's covered um, in the in the documentary. Yeah, like They about. highlight it, so we're going to talk about it. Cool. We're going to watch it. Let's and, do this. Um, I'm looking forward to it. So Awesome. There you go. All right. uh, at the end of the day, let's, let's do this. What's up? Candyman, thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs up. Yeah, I agree. I enjoy it. Even though it's problematic, I enjoy the shit out of it. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, would watch it again. <laughs> Two thumbs up. Would watch again. I mean, probably not with my kids, but you know that, that's I don't just watch me. Candyman with anyone. I'll go downtown and find some homeless people to up the screen and watch Candyman together. Cool. All so, right. Well, all right. Josh well, does that. <laughs> it's been fun. We love you. Until next week. I'm Josh, and I'm Cindy, and I'm still his girlfriend. Eve's by you. See you next week. <laughs>